Welcome to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. In each episode of this podcast, we will examine and discuss some of the difficult, challenging, and often messy topics associated with church and Christianity and our faith. Whether you are curious, skeptical, and unsure about Jesus, or new to church, or maybe even a longtime devoted follower, this podcast is designed to bring the message of the gospel to the everyday messes of life. Welcome back to the Church's Messy Podcast. I am not Robert Nash, the typical host of this podcast, as you could probably immediately tell. My name is Svea Mary, and I'm Autumn Ridge's spiritual formation pastor, and I am delighted to have this opportunity to engage in a little bit more of a deep dive with Rick Henderson on the last weekend's message. Rick, good to be with you this morning. Thanks, Svea. I appreciate you filling in for Robert Nash. I don't know what he's doing. I think he's getting his eyebrows waxed. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Uh, He had something he had to take care of, but this is fun. We get to sit down, and you and I, uh, we love to banter in the hallways and in the offices and and talk about theology, so now we get to do it in front of other people. (laughs) Absolutely, because it's exactly the same thing to have a mic right in front of our face as it is in the hallway. That's a little different. Now it's (laughs) it's just on full display. Yeah. No, thank you for the opportunity. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Rick, your message last weekend, I had the pleasure of getting to sit through all three services and hear it. And so this is a great chance to talk a little bit more fully. And I Mm. I love this because there were several things that you said in the message that, uh, that I was thinking as I was listening to you preach. Boy, I'd love to ask him more about that. So let me just start with one right off off the bat. Before you ask that question, oh, come on. Real quick, just real quick, <laughs> you know, if people are tuning in and they haven't heard the message, I think they can enjoy uh, listening, or, or at least I think they can get some things out of this. Um, but essentially, what we're, we're responding to is the idea hey, uh, I, don't, I don't need God to be a good or more per- person. And we're mm-hmm. saying, well, that's true. Uh, the real question is, how can there be good, or is it possible for there to be good if there is no God? And we presented a case where it's not even possible mm. for good to be a, a, a meaningful concept unless there is an objective standard uh, for for moral truth, and that is God Himself. And so mm. the message really walks through that, and that's the that's the starting place that that we're coming from. But I would enjoy, or excuse me, encourage people to to go back and listen to the message. I think that'll really help them uh, better engage and appreciate this conversation we're going to have. Yeah, absolutely. And they can do that by listening to it on the podcast version at Sermons at Autumn Ridge, or they can go to autumnridgechurch.org and find the message there, or on our YouTube channel. There's multiple ways for them yeah, to find the right. message. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you about is you made a very good point in the the large section at the beginning of the message about the importance of responding to people with gentleness and respect. And that came mm. right out of the theme verse for yeah. this series from 1 Peter 3.15. Mm-hmm. And you really honed in on the aspects of gentleness and respect, more so in this message perhaps than any of the ones that have preceded it. Sure. And what I wanted to ask you as I was listening to you preach through this is it's one thing to predecide mm-hmm. to treat someone with gentleness and respect, but it's another thing to actually do that in the moment. Yeah. So can you talk about what that looks like, not just to make the decision to do it, but to actually put that into practice? Yeah, there's kind of... Um, if I, I think there are two things that I need to do. And um, these are two things that I try to do, and I think it'd be helpful for other people to try them uh, as well. There are other people who are, I think, are naturally more gentle than me, so mm. <laughs> you're probably <laughs> one of those people. So you might have some additional things that that you want to uh, that you want to share. Uh, but one is, in no particular order, 
just internally, I'm trying to be aware of what am I feeling right now? Mm. And I started off the message just asking people after listening to this audio clip from Christopher Hitchens, in which he's a little peppery mm-hmm. in how, he, how he's talking about it. And that's part of his appeal. That's part of his persona. And I think it's just part of the way that he was. Mm. Um, and I don't take offense at it, but he just came across, I'll just say peppery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to know, well, what am I feeling? And why am I feeling that way? And I want to... I want to take what I feel seriously, but I don't necessarily want it to drive to drive me. And I have a tendency to do that. Yesterday, something happened, and my instinct was I wanted to just be a little combative. Mm. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I uh, had a little uh, just a, I was able to process it in some alone time uh-huh. and not uh, uh, and, and not in public. And so I really appreciated that. The other thing is, um, okay, now I want to shine the spotlight on the other person. What do they need? Yeah. And I just want to I just I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're not trying to be mean. Maybe this is really uh this is really meaningful to them and sometimes when people talk about things that are that are meaningful it comes out uh with emotions because they feel strongly about it. Sure. Sometimes what feels like anger is actually passion. Sure. Um I think it's hard to tell the difference between uh, passion and anger sometimes. I think about anger as being um, ready to respond against something, mm. and passion is readiness to respond for something. Mm. Um, and they can feel like the feel like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, also as a follower of Jesus, I have a I, I have an extra bit of information. I know that they are made in God's image, Mm. and that God loves them so much Mm. that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, took on what it means to be human and lived this life and made himself knowable Mm. and gave his life for us and made it possible for us uh, to be restored to him through his death and resurrection. And this person needs that. They need the, the life that is truly life, that comes from knowing him. And so... In my good moments, <laughs> or when the I feel like the the Holy Spirit is is really keeping His promises to uh, to to work in me, I'm able to to have that in mind. And so it's just like, all right, I want to give them what they need, yeah. even if they're not going to to give me the the kind of interaction that I want. Yeah, does that feel like gobbledygook? Does no, that make sense? No, no, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Both recognizing it in yourself, mm-hmm. being a little bit aware of how am I responding here, and then recognizing what that person needs and maybe yeah. where they're coming from. Have you seen it happen when you've been engaged in maybe a, a situation that could tend towards the combative side? Have you seen it transformed by treating someone with a marked and maybe even shocking gentleness? Yes. Doesn't happen all the time. Um, it's not a formula, right? It's not like, hey, if you do the right thing, then they're going to respond the the right way. Uh, but it is wise and it's good and it flows out of the it, this command. Like all commands, come out from the character of God. It's um, it's so this is the way that life is designed by Him to work. So we see effectiveness mm. from it when we when we do it. Uh, but yeah, and sometimes it's instantaneous. Like it kind of surprises people mm-hmm. um and then other times uh it just it just takes a while i remember and, and i've seen it in person and i've also seen it online hmm. um and and i know that 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 might be hard for some people to imagine um gentleness having its way and having its day on social media but it can i remember one time there's a guy that i developed uh, a, a friendship with uh he's gone on to become a prominent voice in um 
in political circles now. Uh, but uh, before he had achieved that that status, he and I really developed a friendship online, and other people would would weigh in, hmm. and I would say things positively about him because I really respected him and, and liked this guy. And people who agreed with him, who were very committed atheists, not curious atheists, but mm. I mean, just really com- Stake committed in the ground. <laughs> uh, to no, it there cannot be a, mm-hmm. a god kind of atheist could not believe that. Why would you say something kind about him? Wait a second, mm. and I'm just because I like him. He's mm-hmm. he's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we, he doesn't have to agree with me for me to like who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool to see uh, the, the flavor of that conversation uh, change. Uh, I've been in, in conversations with, with folks where um, they're pretty animated, and, and I just say, hey, listen, if I had your experience, I might see it the same way that, that you see it. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that you feel about it, listen, you don't, you don't have to defend how, how, you, how you feel about it. That kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I are on opposite sides of the fence, but I really care about you and your viewpoint. Um, and I just think, I think you deserve a good answer. Mm, mm-hmm. And so um, that kind of stuff tends to diffuse the anxiety. Sure. And it's just basically, it's the kind of stuff we all learned on our first day of kindergarten. Just be nice, <laughs> <laughs> you know? If you wanna make friends, be a friend. Yeah. You know, and it tends to work out. Sure. Yeah. Now, I would say I've seen you do this in the office, around church, and, and in conversations. Um, one might even say that your ability to do this is heightened because of the work of the Spirit in your life. And gentleness mm-hmm. is one of those explicit traits that is known as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, how, how do you think that plays into all of this and the role of the Spirit enabling us to be gentle and to do other, quote-unquote, good things? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, my mind kind of jumped to this place. If for some reason, anybody who went to college with me, um, stumbled across this podcast and this is their first encounter with me (laughs) since college, they'd be like, I don't think that's the same guy. (laughs) And, uh, and I'd say in some ways I'm not. Uh Um, I I think it is the, I I really do think it is the work of the the Holy Spirit. And there's a, there's an aspect of that. I don't totally understand. Uh Uh, In my life, it took experiencing a lot of pain. Mm. Uh, this is, I'm just one of those people who had to learn this painfully. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who don't have to learn it painfully. I'm not one of those people. I, <laughs> I had, I had to, I had to learn it. Uh, I had to learn it that way. Um, and I, I've, I've alluded to a little bit, um, my own story with my dad, mm. uh, who, who passed away last, last November, um, when he went to, when he went to prison, I thought that was hard. You know, it was really hard. When he got out of prison, mm, wow. that's when it's like, okay, am I going to do this love and gentleness and forgiveness thing? Yeah. And it wasn't coming instinctually. It mm-hmm. wasn't coming naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's okay because really the promise is it comes supernaturally. This mm-hmm. is a real work of the spirit and it's his work. I participate in it, but it's his work. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting across the table from my dad and, and our first meeting after he got out of prison and it kind of felt like neither one of us wanted to be there, hmm. and um, neither one of us were being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We were being honest about the things we wanted to be honest about, but neither one of us were, were really being vulnerable. Um, and I was in the position that's easy to be in. I really wanted to be heard, wasn't really lis- interested in listening. And um, and there are people who were praying for me, and uh, 
Yeah, those prayers can be powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember sitting there thinking, I just want to get up and leave. Mm. I just want to walk away. Mm-hmm. But I was too embarrassed to face those people who were praying for me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to ride this out. Wow. And something happened. Something miraculous happened. Mm. And uh, I was able to be gentle with my dad. And he um, he broke. Mm. And he wept. And um, it changed it changed everything. And so in my, I'm slowing down a little bit cause I don't want to get emotional on the podcast. I got this, <laughs> you know, I got this, um, this image to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I won't tell anyone. You can be a tough guy. <laughs> no. Um, but I mean, you're here with me. You can see this is, this is. It's real stuff. It's, it's, re- it's thank real. Thank you for sharing that because it's very encouraging to see. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is I've experienced it bring life to me. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it transform my own my own life. And I just don't want to I I just want more of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I and if I can if I can be an ambassador of it, I want to. Um if I can share it, I want to. And I use I I'm using the pronoun it, but really the it is what it means to be in the good news. Yeah. But but even deeper is what we're talking about is experiencing God in your life. Yeah. And I love, I just love being one of his kids. I and, love what you've just shared because yeah. you've transformed this conversation from be gentle and respectful, like mm-hmm. it's an, an order from Peter in how we're supposed to act yeah. to the reason why the mm. benefit to the people that we're engaged with, the way that they can see Christ in our lives, and mm-hmm. even for ourselves, the encouragement of seeing the work of God in our own lives yeah. to maybe grow us way beyond what we are in our natural person to someone that reflects the work of Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it's a real command, but all the commands are really clarifying boundary markers on how to stay inside of God's love. Mm. And I don't want people to to sometimes um I think sometimes people can hear that and they feel like I'm downgrading the command. I'm not downgrading the command at all. It's a real command. Yeah. But Jesus said that it all boils down to loving God with mm-hmm. all really all of who we are, heart, soul, mind, and our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so all of the all of the commands are expressions of God's co- essence and his character, his nature. But they're boundary markers for us to stay inside of that. Mm. And mm-hmm. the outside of that <laughs> is death. Yeah. And the inside of that is is life. Well, that brings me to another thing that I wanted to ask you about, which was, for me, I think one of the most powerful things mm-hmm. in the message was when you addressed the commonly held cultural assumption that it's okay for us to do whatever we want as long as we don't harm anyone. Yeah. And you kind of destroyed that way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? First of all, I'm I'm a big fan of not harming anyone. Yeah. Uh, let's, you know. <laughs> well, good to be clear about that. <laughs> it's not, I'm not attacking the idea of don't harm someone. I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Let's don't harm people. Um, but you got at the essence of there needs to be some kind of a moral sure. authority for That's that. Right. Statement to have any logic to it? Absolutely. What what is that grounded in? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Clearly, it's attractive. Um, it, it draws in a lot of it draws in a lot of people. Has a lot of adherence. But simply the fact that it's attractive doesn't mean that it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to get at. Get at what makes that true. Mm-hmm. 
um, I've been in this conversation with many people and they've said, well, it doesn't really matter if it's true. It's what I believe. And I Mm. just say, okay, you are able to live your life that way, but aren't you rejecting the gospel because you don't believe it's true? Hmm. And yet you're trying to build your life on this sophisticated kind of moral structure that deep down you're saying, it's not really true. I've made it up because it's what I want to do. Yeah. I'm, what I'm asking you to do is to be honest, to be honest with yourself, um, to say, I'm building my life on something that I know isn't really true. Mm-hmm. The foundation is pretend. Um, the choices are real, but the foundation is pretend. So if we just make it up, it's pretend. Yeah. Um, even if a group of people make it up, the foundation is still made up. Even if it's an entire society, mm-hmm. even if the entire planet, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still, it's it's still it's still made up. I want to know what makes it true. Yeah. What makes it what makes it binding? Mm-hmm. Um, we could come, we could say, hey, let's start with empathy, and you can build a fairly robust and sophisticated morality on empathy. But why did you start with empathy? Mm-hmm. Forget empathy to who. Like even your enemies too, <laughs> um, but like empathy for everyone, even empathy for the you know kids in poverty on the other side of the globe who are uh-huh. making your cheap products. Oh, like ooh. empathy for those as well. Like uh-huh. how far does that empathy extend? But let's just let's sidestep that. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm gonna drop a grenade, but then we're <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sidestep that. But okay, where did that come from? What makes that binding? And. If you if you resist God, if you're saying it can just start with me and I pick that, you don't have a worldview that can make sense of that. Uh-huh. You just chose it because you because you like that and that's how you prefer to live. Well, what happens if you choose to live by something else? Is are you wrong if you pick a new foundation now? If you say, well, I'm no longer living based on empathy. I'm going to live based on pleasure. Yeah. Well, really, it's what we're exposing is it's all about you. Yeah. And um, that is a, man, that's a really tenuous, tenuous way to live. And what it, what, it, what it should expose for us, if this is our approach, it's just, I'm just making it up as I go. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've already spoken already yeah. in the last few minutes about seeing an arc of yeah. transformation of one's character, and, uh, and that mm-hmm. can go in any number of directions. Absolutely. And we get really mad when people who have... Uh, more money and more power than us when they live that way at our expense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, <laughs> but why? Mm-hmm. Why do we get so mad? Mm-hmm. Why, why? Why do we? Why do we have a? Why do we have a problem with that? It's because we know, we know that that there really are things that are right and there really are things that are wrong. It is inescapable. Yeah. And because it's inescapable. I think we, I think everyone listening owes it to themselves because they are so incredibly valuable and their life is so important. They owe it to themselves to have a view of life and a foundation of life that can make sense of that. Mm. And if the foundation that you've picked for your life cannot make sense of the things that make the most sense to you, why keep your allegiance with that faulty, crumbling foundation? Yeah. It makes no sense to me. No, not at all. How many people... Right now, we're in this thing. They're calling it the great resignation, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's switching jobs. And uh, 
uh, different companies are trying to do all kinds of different things to attract employees. Um, and if you if you're a company with a bad culture, <laughs> or you don't pay well, um, or you you have um, you don't have competitive benefits, it's going to be hard for you to keep your employees or to attract employees. If you're going to move your place of employment because because your boss doesn't treat you fairly or because you don't like the benefits that you're getting, why wouldn't you do the same thing with the deep down fundamental foundation for mm. your life? Because what's at stake is so much more profound yeah. than what happens with your career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You were looking at me like, Rick, I don't know where you're going I with wasn't this. sure where Did you were I going land the there. Plane? You finally brought it back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. So at the heart of what you were pointing to in mm-hmm. Hitchens' argument against religion was his rejection of the idea of there being any kind of a moral authority. And yet in what our mission is here at Autumn mm-hmm. Ridge Church is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus and one of the ways that we demonstrate that we are following Jesus is by joyfully placing ourselves under the authority of God and mm-hmm. his word. Could you speak a little bit about what it takes to make that mental transformation, that spiritual leap from wanting the, the instinctual desire that, that so many of us have to reject any kind of a, an imposed authority or morality on us to coming to that place of wanting to willingly place ourselves under God's authority. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like we're going around looking for who can who can I submit to today? Right. That's not <laughs> that's not that's not our authority. Or, excuse me, that's that's not the the thing that really that really that's guides us. That's not the us. problem that usually you keeps people what? up I'm at just, night. I just I'm just looking for a good boss today. <laughs> who, who's going to tell me what to do if I could find, you know, uh that's that's not how we're oriented. Um Aren't we looking for just kind of, I mean, we don't even have to think about it. We're looking for acceptance. Mm. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking for, um, we're looking for somebody to really just love us and to value us and to say that I want you. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the, one of the driving fears that people live with is the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And it is right and it is good to recognize Jesus is the authority, to recognize how we have fallen short, that we have violated his good law, and, um, and turn and re- repent to him. But I don't think that it starts with primarily an authority question. I think it starts with, do you believe he's good mm-hmm. and that he loves you? Um, and well, I might even suggest that that the theme verse, First Peter three fifteen, yeah. heads us in the right direction, right yeah. from the first phrase about revering Christ. As in your Lord. hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Um, and Paul said, "Do you not know that it's His loving kindness that draws you to repentance?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it. I think I would just want people to look at Jesus, right? Mm. Just really get to know Him. The the real Jesus, not the not the Jesus that's been filtered down to you through various uh, maybe religious traditions or culture or movies or paintings or, or whatever or music. I don't know, but the biblical Jesus, mm-hmm. the people who knew him, the people who walked 
long dusty roads with him, mm. people who shared meals with him, mm-hmm. the people who marveled at how he prayed, mm-hmm. the people who were anxious to to get up and go to the next thing and had to sit and wait and linger and watch how Jesus just continued to spend time with people and and saw people um, and loved people sacrificially and generously. Uh, he would do that with the wrong people. <laughs> you know, he would do that with kids. I mean, the people who were with him, the people who heard him, heard him teach, uh, the people who saw him be brave without being harsh. Yeah. Um, the people who were there. Yep. How do they write about him? Read what they wrote. Yeah. And yeah, when you powerful. see him, is he good? Do you believe he loves you? And if you do, why wouldn't you trust him? Why wouldn't you submit to him? So let's keep going on that mm-hmm. for just a moment, because the the bottom line for this whole message was mm-hmm. that you were suggesting that the only three reasonable responses to Jesus are yeah. either to adore him, to abhor him, or to explore him. Yeah. So for someone who does want to explore Jesus more, whether they're a believer yet or not, how would you recommend that someone go about exploring Jesus? Would you would you start off with what you just said? Read the sure. stories of the people Absolutely. who are with him. I I tend to recommend start with Luke or John. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can start anywhere you want, but in the New Testament. So I mean, if you kind of open up your Bible, go to the there's 66 books in the Bible. You're going to the second half. There a collection of 27 books called the New Testament. It starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I recommend starting with Luke or John, but you can start with Matthew or Mark if you want. Um, they're all great, mm-hmm. uh, but Luke and Luke and John I think are the the easiest, the shallowest entry points to really um, to really understanding who Jesus is. But I'd also say attend a church. Like if you live in driving distance of Autumn Ridge, I'd love for you to come. And um, sometimes the best way to get to know someone is to also be around other people who know that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's helpful. Um, if you don't live within driving distance of Autumn Ridge, we'd really love for you to go to a church that's within that's within driving that's within driving distance one of the things we offer here at autumn ridge is a class called starting point it's mm-hmm. going to be starting up real soon mm-hmm. and it's a place for people to ask questions uh, to meet other people who have similar kind of questions it's it's not for people who can win a bible trivia game um, it's really a class for for people who who really aren't sure what they believe or maybe they're very very new yeah. uh, to believing and trusting and Jesus, we've got a fantastic pastor named Paul who leads that, and the people who go through that class love it. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, we want to give you um, everything you need to be able to decide. Yeah, I do trust and want to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and so you need you got you got questions and you need answers to those questions. And so I would say get around a, a really warm, vibrant, welcoming, friendly church. Who loves answering questions? Um, start reading Luke or or John, and then uh, use some of the resources that we've recommended uh, in this podcast: the Bible Project, Cross Examined, Unbelievable, ReasonableFaith.org, all all of those things. Just mm-hmm. 
Those are great ways to yeah. explore Jesus a little more. Absolutely. Well, speaking of questions, you've been very indulgent in allowing me to throw mm-hmm. some questions at you with the things I was wondering. Are there things that you didn't get to say in this message, the the material that uh, landed on the cutting room floor that uh, you've been wishing you had a chance to talk about a little more? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, one of the things that that didn't make it in that that I wanted to that I wanted to talk about um, was just asking people to. Let's be honest with ourselves. What is it that we want to be true? Hmm. And we all have something that we want to be true, which means that none of us are purely objective. I'm not purely objective. Mm-hmm. You're not purely objective. And we all start with our own biases. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there are things that we can do um, to think objectively um, and to be objective enough. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the two of the most uh, helpful things, the, the two starting points, are choosing humility and bravery. Uh-huh. <laughs> and just humility to say, I could be wrong. Uh-huh. And if I am wrong, I want to know. Right? That just takes humility to, yeah. to do that. Um, bravery or guts just to say, you know what? Whatever the truth is, I'm going to follow it yeah. wherever it takes me. I love... I, I, I just love skeptical people, uh-huh. and I love really, I, there are a number of atheist thinkers who I've been drawn to, and what always draws me are the ones who are really honest. And one of my favorite is Thomas Nagel. Uh, he said this, I speak from experience, being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true, and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that the cosmic authority problem is not a rare condition and that it's responsible for much of the scientism and reductionism of our time. Wow. (laughs) Thank you, Thomas Nagel, for your vulnerability. He should be respected, Uh. right? I think he deserves honest. respect for being for for being that honest. And um, Thomas Nagel is a, a law and philosophy professor. I think he taught for like thirty six years at NYU, hmm. and uh, he's retired now. But he's got a number number of books out. Um, another guy, um, Aldous Huxley. Uh, I I I really appreciated his honesty. He said, "I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. Hmm. Consequently, I assumed it had none." and was able, without much difficulty, to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is not concerned exclusively with the problem of academics. The philosopher who finds no meaning in this world is also concerned to prove that there is no valid, that there's no valid reason why he should not personally do as he wants to do, or why his friends should not seize political power and govern in the way they find most ad- advantageous to themselves. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. Mm. And so I have to be honest about my own biases. Mm -hmm. And I have to be honest about the things that I want to be true and the things that I don't want to be true. And that goes for everyone. Yeah. And I think we owe it to ourselves to be honest. Am I constructing something Am I constructing a moral framework that's going to give me a license to really do what I want to do and to be able to judge the people that I don't like? Or have I built my life on it because I'm persuaded that it is true? Mm-hmm. 
I think I think that's an important thing. And I would have loved to have dug into that a little bit more. Just didn't have time. Sure. Just didn't have time to to do it in the message. Another thing, I know one of the things I said, listen, wherever you wherever you get your moral framework, like if you believe, hey, do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody, said it doesn't come from nature. I mean, you don't see that in the animal kingdom. You're right. Um <laughs> You know, uh, there's something that I follow on Instagram. It's a it's a hashtag nature is metal, and <laughs> the reason that I follow it because it's a reminder of how cruel and full of death the natural world oh. is. Oh. And it is it is not for the faint of heart, but it is a reminder. Uh, I can't remember her name, but there's an author who described it as nature is red in tooth and claw. Oh wow! Uh-huh. All right, so it doesn't come from nature. It doesn't come from science. Science helps us understand how things work and why things work the way that they do. Science doesn't tell us what we should do. Uh-huh. David Hume was famous for saying, you can't derive an ought from an is. <laughs> we can know what is. Yeah. It doesn't tell us the way that it should be right. or the way, that we, the way that we should behave. And I also said, it doesn't come from logic or reason. We you we can get to moral truth with reason, but we don't get it from reason. Mm. Reason is kind of like a calculator. A calculator is not going to tell you how much money you should spend on your groceries. It's not going to tell you how much you should give your kids for an allowance. It's not going to tell you how much you should pay your employees. You have to input information mm-hmm. first. To arrive at something logically, we first have to start with premises. We have to input information. You can't logically get to a place that uh, racism is wrong just by starting with logic. Mm-hmm. If you just start with logic, you're gonna you're gonna get a thing is identical with itself. You're gonna get a thing cannot be true and also true at the same time in the same way. And there's no middle ground between something being true and not being true. We were right. talking about the law of identity, non-contradiction, and excluded middle. Um, you have to input something. Mm-hmm. Like you would have to start with all people have dignity or all people have value. But if you started with that, you have to ask, well, where does that come from? Because you don't believe all rocks <laughs> have equal value. Why do you believe all people have equal value? Well, then if you go, well, because we're sentient. Well, well where does that come from? And well, why did you start there? What makes that true? Mm-hmm. And so just keep asking the what makes that true? Where did that come from? What convinced me? What makes that true? Just use that like a shovel to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And what you'll find is you need an ultimate authority. Okay, you so need an objective standard. Thank you. I, that's where I was just going to ask for all of us who did not major in philosophy. What yeah. is the filter? What's your uh, your I, one or two sentence Did I just nerd out there? Did for, I lose people? Well, nerding out is fun. But, okay. but, but what is that? That one or two sentence explanation for how we can gauge what truly is true. Does that make sense? As we're, It's one thing to say you need to trust in what's true, but what is our standard for knowing what is true? Okay. First of all, when we say true, describing reality as it actually is, and the two requirements for truth or the test for truth are contra- or, um, co- correspondence and coherence. Mm. Um, does a truth claim correspond to all the relevant facts, data, and evidence? And that's um, that's correspondence. And the second one is coherence. Does the truth claim contradict itself? Mm. And so if it doesn't take in, if it can't account for all the relevant facts, data, and evidence, it's not true. If it contradicts itself, it's not true. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a deeper dive into that. We use, um, you basically use all the sciences, um, uh, logical adequacy, 
ex- experiential relevance, which is are you able to live it out meaningfully? Like mm-hmm. I've talked to people before and they've just said, there's no objective moral truth whatsoever. All right, let's take that seriously. Are you telling me there's no difference between putting the dinner in the oven for kids and putting the kids in the oven for dinner? <laughs> if there is no objective moral truth, there is no value difference between those two things. There are different experiences, uh-huh. but there's no value difference between those two things. Uh-huh. Objective moral truth is inescapable. Just like logic is inescapable, um, and they are there are things that that exist on their own, um, or the, excuse me, they're they're kind of self-referential, and they point to the fact that there is an eternal mind, mm. an eternal person who is transcendent mm-hmm. over the universe, who is the only thing that can make sense of these things. Mm-hmm. You cannot find an explanation for them in nature alone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and what a, a gift it is that we have a Savior who came and was described as yeah. the one who came full of grace and truth. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And may we have the humility and the bravery, as you said, to examine mm-hmm. our worldview as absolutely. we look to see, am I trusting in what is true? Yeah. Which yeah. is the essence of faith, right? According to our series thesis. That's right. Faith this. is not in a competition with reason. It's the consequence of reason, trusting in what is true. Everybody has faith in the sense that, and this is the way it's used in the New Testament, faith is trust, faith is allegiance. You're trusting in something, you've given your allegiance to something. And I'm just saying, listen, you are way too valuable and your life is far too important to give your allegiance to something that isn't true. Mm. Thank you for that. Rick, is that a good this place has been, to end? This is a great place. You've okay. been uh, you've been very indulgent in answering okay. my questions and going a little bit deeper into the points of this message. I appreciate that, and uh, I think this is a good place to close here. Um, again, for anyone who hasn't heard that, we recommend that you go back and, and listen. And uh, I'm looking forward to this coming week. Do you want to give us any sneak preview of what's uh, what's up ahead? Yeah, this one uh, this one's testing my bravery. Mm. We're we're talking about hell. Um, we're talking about hell this weekend. And it's not something that uh, that I preach on a lot. I have preached on it before, um, but we're gonna we're gonna really tackle if God is really loving, does He send people to hell? Mm. What do we do with that? Yeah. Well, I appreciate your bravery and your humility in tackling the truth. Okay. Of all of that. Thanks, Thanks Rick. Thanks, Faya. Thank you for listening to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. Church is Messy is a registered trademark of Rick Henderson, and this podcast is produced by Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Josiah Novinger. Our theme song is Bring It. Follow us on Instagram at ARC underscore R-O-C-H. Email us with any questions you might have or topics you would like explored in future episodes at churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, please visit us online at autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.